And we are back, episode 76, I believe, 76 or 77, one of the two, uh, Franco's World. Ladies and gentlemen, today's episode, it's uh, it's been a long time coming. This is one of the good guys, you know, uh, he's the first ever three-timer, <laughs> it's the third time he's been on. Uh, Joey Rinaldi, everyone, Joey, my buddy, my pal, what's up, man? What up, Franco? Uh, I feel honored to be the, the only person that's done this three times. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I, think, wanna... I think it's because people keep like welching on the bets. People just keep like not like going through with the episodes. So I'm like, Joey, I'm in a pinch. Buddy, I need you. <laughs> do, do, do you listen to Pardon, Your, Pardon the Interruption on ESPN? It's like the oldest fucking show they have. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's Tony Kornheiser. On- and Wobon, it's been it's been going on forever. Um, but like now that like for the past like five to ten years, like they've gotten old, Wobon and Tony. Like they're just old people now. So like Wilbon has to take breaks a lot and he always like goes golfing and Tony like <laughs> needs to go to the hospital so Tony doesn't come in a lot. So they have this guy named Frank Isola who Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, who just fills in for them all the time. Like he's there more than Tony and Wilbon are. Yeah, and I, and I almost feel like I'm just like the Frank, the Frank Isola of this podcast. No way, man! No way. We uh, no. Just, you and I together are no, uh, like, Mike and no, Tony. No, no, because I, I don't. I don't feel like like I'm ever like asked to do the podcast. It's more like, hey, man, somebody dropped out. That's not only, true. You're the That's only not guy true. who's available. Can you come on? And like, I have to begrudgingly be like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> that's not true at all come on buddy it's not like that i swear there's not other there's not other women it's just you it's just you. It, it, it's just me okay that makes me feel a lot better because before i thought i was like this booty call podcast guy <laughs> <laughs> oh whenever it's like it's like late night 2 a.m and it's just like you know what i'm just gonna fire off the decks i'm gonna send those little dots up i'm gonna send and, I'm gonna- and, and you know i'm desperate you know i'm desperate as fuck so you're like yeah i can wait till the last second for joey because i'll come running every time (laughs) he'll come running and then you know what you know what i'm gonna stop over at your apartment and guess what i'm gone in the morning you're gone in the morning i'm lonely i'm depressed i send you like 11 teen text messages just hoping for you to respond once Um, i'm leaving you on red uh exactly exactly Yo, speaking of text, yo, it's kind of weird. I've been texting more than ever recently. Like, I'm like, I'm like glued to my phone, but not like in a, in a way like I'm like I'm on social media glued to my phone. It's just like I've been, I've been having like long conversations with like lots of different people on text recently, and I feel like I'm back in middle school or some shit. Like, do you remember in middle school when you first got your like AIM? You like, <laughs> yeah. text somebody for like eight hours, and it's totally chill. And like you didn't even think you didn't even think about it back then. It just felt normal back when you were like thirteen years old to do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember my middle school girlfriend and I, we would just say like haha and okay back and forth all day. Like that's it. It's like what's up? Nothing. Haha. Okay. That's it. Just say that all over. Yeah. And then like you have to like think of something new to say. So then you do that classic, like, let's play this game where you ask me a question. That's a g- how I don't understand how that became a game. That's how conversation – the way conversations work is you just ask people <laughs> questions like, you know, like, hey, Franco, how you doing tonight? But middle school kids are so fucking awkward that they only know how to have conversations if in terms of a fucking game. Yep. 
it's like, oh, let's play 20 questions. And you get the kids to be asking inappropriate questions on questions three because you can't ask the question on questions one and two because that's trying too hard. So when you're a little kid, you ask it on like questions three and four. So I remember the big thing from like AIM growing up as a kid is that um, you would meet friends who have like who knew other people that you didn't know. And so you guys would ch- trade like friends on the on your buddy list. So then, so then, then you'd reach out to some people that you don't know, and you'll be like, "Hey, you're a friend of a friend. Can we talk?" And if that person talks to you, and that person was a girl, you'd have to wait like like ten messages before you can ask them what's your bra size. I don't know why, but that was the thing. That was like. The first introduction of sexting. Some guy you barely know would give you the screen name of a girl you barely knew. And if you hit it off with that girl, you would ask her what her bra size was. And if she, and if she told you, that means she could possibly want to hook up with you. But it was middle school, so like the most you would get would be like a B because everybody was A and B cup. But I don't know why. It was a big thing. You know? <laughs> oh, and man. I, and – and sometimes because it was middle school, you'd have like five friends sleeping over your house, over your shoulder watching you message this girl that you barely know. Oh, yeah. And, and oh, yeah. Like, and then one of your friends would be like, ask her the bra question now. I'd be like, it's not time for it yet. Give me 30 seconds. Come I on. can't ask like, the question. It's not time. It's not time for the bra question. And then you all have to sit around and have a roundtable debate about what just happened. You game plan going in like a football coach. It's like, all right, what we want to do is go out and execute. Let's ask these questions. What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite musician? And then boom, the bra question. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's ridiculous. It, it, and, and the wildest thing is that like you didn't know what to do with the answer of that question because like the girl would just like awkwardly respond back like, oh, yeah, I'm like a B cup. And then you wouldn't even like you wouldn't even know what to do. You you get the response and then you'd be like, uh 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 so I take <laughs> geometry too and it's like what's going on? We're back to school talk. <laughs> like you can't like she says, Oh, I'm a B and then you're like, Okay, cool. Like how do you like you you've sunk your battleship. What are you supposed to say to that? <laughs> I know, I know. And then like the second like you try to like say anything sexual about the knowledge that you got, like Oh, like that's a hot bra size. I don't know what middle school kids would say. And if, and, if, and if there was any chance that she didn't like it, like if she didn't respond, like if she didn't respond back within two minutes. You'd have to quickly do a second message of like, "LOL, just kidding." Don't hate me. Like, I hope no, that it, weird. it's it, it's it's you tell her you preface it by this. You say, I'm at a group of friends house. And then whenever you ask that question and it doesn't like go the way you want, you'd be like, sorry, that was Johnny. Johnny took my phone. Oh, that 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 was classic. That that's the play, could, my man. So before you, so so since since we're 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 adults, and by adults I mean people over twenty one, and by over twenty one I mean we get chamed, we we get drunk. Now that's our excuse. Like now, as as adults, we'd be like, "Oh, I was drunk last night. That's why I texted you that." But before, it was socially acceptable to drink. It's just it moving was, the goalpost. Yeah, it's moving no, the goalpost no, on responsibility. No. But before, yeah, yeah. But before it was that, it was blaming your friends at sleepovers. It would be like, I didn't text Sarah that. Timmy stole my phone and text Sarah that. We know Timmy. Timmy's a horn dog. He's obviously gonna text you that. You got to get a guy with a bad rap. Yeah, 
So Timmy still exists, and it's just the drunk version of myself now. Now it's like instead of saying Timmy, <laughs> I Timmy, am I, Timmy. I was I was drunk when I texted you that. You know I act like Timmy when I'm drunk. It's ridiculous. The Jameson came out, and then and then Timmy came out along with it. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So um, I feel like we're really solving some, some big problems here. What, what, what are we talking about? Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, we, well, I mean, I, I do want to get one point across about growing up and AIM and stuff like that. You uh, you see a girl on like MySpace or Facebook or whatever, and then you message her. You're like, or or people used to have it in their headline. It'd be like, so my name say on MySpace would be like Franklin parentheses single. Like you would put that in your bio. Did you ever do that? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, I just remember like having like my avail message being like single ready to mingle. Let's do this shit. And like like I was trying to make it seem like I was like ready to, to like like spit mad game, but the the truth is I had nothing. <laughs> no, I had I had horrible game. I had a horrible game. Uh, I had a big nose. I finally grew into it. I was probably I nobody probably liked me at all whenever I was in middle school. But there, there was something like magical being behind the computer because it, it made it made the ugliest people feel like they could say hot, get away with saying hot stuff because there's a whole computer blocking you. That's true, but I can't relate to that aspect a lot because I didn't really have internet. So like for me, you have to do it face to face. Like you have to talk. Oh to yeah, them. oh yeah, West Virginia. You guys had like dial up internet till like 2000, like what 15? Uh, some of us still have dial up internet. I don't have internet at my house. Wait, how are we? Uh, where are you? Where are you right now? Are you in the McDonald's parking lot? I'm again, not in McDonald's parking lot. I'm in the driveway of my friend's house. Uh, he knows I'm there. I sit outside his driveway and mooch off his Wi-Fi. Dude, you wait. So, that, would dial-up internet be an upgrade in your house? It might be an upgrade. With the even what with the, the sounds and the noise, it might be an upgrade. I, I hate to be a dick to you, but what's no. going on in West Virginia right now? What's happening? How? Okay. How, how can? We, we we need to get internet in West Virginia. Like that should be my, my life goal. <laughs> People don't realize this. Okay, we talk about yeah, Flint has a water crisis. That's that's really bad. That's a basic human necessity. Water. That's big. And we have issues all over the country. But one issue that nobody really talks about is Appalachia. The access to the outside world in Appalachia. It's not really there. Like we, a lot of us don't have internet, and it's just like not good and we're supposed to have these lawmakers and senators and stuff like that supposed so to sign what do you do for porn oh that uh there's a out in the woods someone has a box of old magazines from the 80s <laughs> and people just gather around out there <laughs> I, I feel like i believe you <laughs> but but like it's uh uh you know it's like you're supposed to sign this broadband internet deal and it's like i'm sitting here waiting on it it's bad it's so bad bro but like yeah i have to you're, drive you're, to mcdonald's to upload the show and upload clips what you're waiting for a broadband internet deal is that what you said essentially yeah but it's like dude it's kind of funny that i literally have to drive 20 minutes to upload a one minute tiktok that gets like 100 views speaking of tiktok bro we can talk about this um oh i, I gotta on, use tiktok i'm barely on tiktok you're on the talk okay so have you barely. seen have you seen the talks no. at all uh no. like justin bieber uh, no the, Okay, so never mind. Well, scratch that topic. We'll get that out of there then. We won't talk about that. I uh, I'm stuck. In, I thought I was stuck in the stone. I, I thought I was stuck in the stone age because I'm barely on TikTok. But now this man who's literally stuck in the stone age, he doesn't have internet in his own house, is now trying to tell me about TikTok. That that is so confusing on so many levels. Well, because I'm trying way, to get content out. I'm trying to be like get out there, and it's like it. I can't. It sucks. But it's, I, I think it's funny that, that I have access to more internet than you do, 
And yeah, you have you use TikTok and I don't. <laughs> well, dude, I screwed myself on TikTok. I mean, I had a video get like a million views when I was like first on it. It was a good joke and all that. And then like I was like, uh, I had a couple of videos get a few hundred thousand. I was like, ah, this is enough for me. And then I just like stopped posting. And now when I post, I get lucky if it gets over a hundred views. Like I screwed myself. I had a ticket. I had an opportunity. I blew it. Well, well, don't you're talking to the man who does not who who blows the most opportunities. I, I literally was in New York City and I just left. I just fled. I was like, I'm getting out of New York City. There's too much opportunity in New York City for me. So now, <laughs> I, 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 it was overwhelming. So so I, I'm in Vermont right now. I got here like late Monday night, and I don't think I'm ever going back. <laughs> you're in Vermont. What are you doing up there? No, I, I'm just kidding. I'm coming back soon. Uh, I know, I just, but what are you uh, doing in Vermont? I was I was working on this TV show and I was doing a lot of stand up gigs, um, but um, what happened was the TV show just ended, and the stand up gigs they're still happening, but Cuomo doesn't want gigs happening. It's getting colder outside, and yeah. I was like, I just kind of get take a week off of doing stand up and a week off of working my day job and just getting out of because the city's like. Before COVID, the city is crazy. During COVID, the city, no matter what climate the world is in, it's always draining being in New York City to some level. And mm. so I had a week where I felt nothing important was going on. So I fled. I'm in New York City. Not right, I'm not New York City. I'm in Vermont right now with my cousin Tony and my brother Anthony. And it's literally the most fun. That's awesome, man. What are you doing up there? Just like collecting maple syrup? I don't know what people do in Vermont. Well, we wanted to ski, but it, the mountain yesterday wasn't snowed on. But today, there's snow on the mountain. We may hike the bitch. I have no idea. But it's is there just, is there is there fire on the mountain? No, no, we're not going on the, down that rabbit hole right now. <laughs> but honestly, it's kind of we're not even doing anything. Like my cousin Tony and I, we literally have just been watching harry potter and lord of the rings and laying in bed i i, I you and your I, cousin I, laying in bed together what you're not in west virginia what are you whoa whoa no no not in bed together we're in a hotel that's too like like there's mad beds in the hotel so so uh we're just laying in bed watching harry potter all day and, and yesterday i ate my body weight in like potato chips and like smart food pop smart food popcorn Oh, that sounds that sounds heavenly. I've never seen Lord of the Rings, so I couldn't tell you the first thing about it. I've never watched a single second of that. Well, you're fucking up because it's fucking awesome. All right, fair enough. I mean, like, I, I just, like, I don't like things that are fake like that. I like real things. I like watching a good biopic or a good period so, piece so, movie. So you get off when you watch, like, The Wolf of Wall Street or Moneyball, like, stuff? Like- Moneyball, Moneyball, yes, but you knew that was my career background was, was baseball analytics. Well, Moneyball's like my favorite movie ever. Oh my God! Well, you know why? You know, I like it cinematically speaking, uh, as as pretentious as that sounds. But it's Very like Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin wrote it. Uh, who? Uh, what? Uh, I'm trying to think. So the guy who was the director of photography in that movie was also the director of photography for like the Batman trilogy with Christian Bale. And so that's why it kind of looks dark and dreary, but it's also like it, it really focuses in on Billy Bean. Like there's some really good single shots of him just by himself thinking about the team. It's really good, like cinematically. No, it's a, it's a perfect movie in my opinion. So are like, are you are you a sports movie fan then? Uh yeah, I, I'm a sports fan in general, and I and I love sports. Like my like my two favorite movies of all time is like Rocky One and uh, Moneyball. 
So yeah, wow. I'm definitely I'm I'm definitely a sports movie fan, a huge fan. I, I'll just go down like my, my like my like top tops of the sports movie world. For okay, me, it's like Moneyball, Rocky yep. One, um, Hoosiers. I'm a huge fan of. Um, yeah, I, I also like love some corny shit too. Like I, I as corny as it sounds, I love Remember the Titans and and Coach Carter. With Samuel. That, that's not corny. Those are good movies. Yo, Coach, Coach Carter is fucking great. And yeah. uh, and the and uh, the rom coms get out of town are great too. Like uh, um, you got Fever Pitch, you got Summer. Wait, what was it I don't, called? What, was it called Summer, Summer Ball? I think Summer, it's like Summer Summer Fetch, Boys of Summer. Summer I don't know. Fetch, Summer Fitch, Summer Summer Catch, Summer Catch. Yeah, I've never yeah, seen that, but I know it, what you're talking about. It's a baseball movie. You did. So even though I like the rom coms, I have to say this on the record. I, I need the world to know that Love and Basketball is the worst movie ever. Like wow. I'm the biggest I'm the biggest sports fan, the biggest rom-com fan. Love the sports rom-com genre when they mix and match it together, but Love and Basketball fails both as a basketball movie and as a rom-com and it makes me sick that it gets always brought up on the I I'm an I'm an asshole. I go on Google. I, I read all the lists like the top ten blah 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 top ten. Blah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. You know the top ten bullshit. I I'm addicted to it. You watch and, the Watch Mojos. You watch Watch Mojo movie. Uh, YouTube. Yeah yeah the 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 whole thing the the, the whole kid and caboodle and, and essentially on all these lists of like top sports rom coms or sports movies, Love and Basketball always finds itself on that list. And it's 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 stupid. It's dumb. It, it needs to. I, I want to get Love and Basketball off these lists ASAP. I want to start a petition. Uh, I I want to start paying Google ads to <laughs> let people know that this is an opinion that I have. And and, and it just Love Basketball sucks. It's just it's just awful. And I'm a well, huge you're basketball. A hoop, you're a hoops I'm a guy. Hoops, and, and I'm a love guy. So yep. as somebody who loves love and basketball, I hate love and basketball. <laughs> Joey Rinaldi, hoops, uh, love, comedy. That's that's those those are synonymous with you. Yeah, sorry if I went on a little rant just now. No, it's I don't just, care. Okay. It, that's what people oh, want to hear uh, you talk. That's why people listen to the episode. Uh, I got people. I'm at guys' weddings and they're coming up to me. The guy just kissed the, the woman of his dreams. He got married. Holy matrimony. He comes up to me. He goes, "That Joey guy on your podcast is great. People love you." Get out of town. That makes me feel very good about myself. Of but, course, uh, man. Be, but that, that, that's a fake story. No, that's a dead serious story. I'm going to get a text message <laughs> from that guy after he listens <laughs> to this and be like, why would you reveal that? <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah, man. But yeah, uh, uh, as, far I, as, yo, as far as rom-com goes, what? Go ahead. Go ahead. The, the, is this all in West Virginia? Let's do a West Virginia show. You should do the Best of Franco's World comedy show where you get like all the people who do your podcast come up to West Virginia for like a weekend. <laughs> we do like three. We do three nights of comedy. It's like, we'll call it Frank Franco's three World. Three straight nights, sold out shows. Yeah, yeah, I think we can do it. Like, I think everyone in West Virginia would really turn out for that. I got asked. I got asked to do a gig. I got asked to do a gig on New Year's at like this luxurious hotel in my area. And it's a nice gig, but like they do it. No, no, no. Well, uh, I'm probably just gonna end up opening for the guy they bring in. But like they, because like they wanted me to be the main guy, and I'm like, dude, I suck. I'm not ready to be a main guy right now. And hey, they're like, what? I, I, I think that was the. I think, I, I think you're wrong. You should always think you're the main guy, even if it's not true, even if it's wrong. 
if somebody thinks that you're the main guy, like the guy who's paying you thinks that you can be the main guy, then you can trick the people he brings too. Because because think about it. If the guy booking you thinks you're the main guy, he's going to sell tickets to people just as stupid as him. The audience <laughs> of stupid people with the book who's stupid, boom, you could be a headliner. That's true. And, I, and I'm the smartest man who ever lived, so I can just trick people into thinking I'm good. I like it. Yeah, that's what that's what I do. I, I, I do that. I've done that so many times. I got booked. I remember like I was like a year or two in comedy and this guy was like, yeah, I'll pay you $200 to do a half hour of comedy. You'll be the headliner. And no one's ever paid me to do comedy at this point. I wow. didn't have a half hour of comedy, but I just showed up and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take $200 and do a half hour. And he, I got off stage. I looked at my timer. I got off stage at like 21 minutes. And oh then my I went God. to... And then I went to apologize for him. I was like, sorry, I got off stage nine minutes early. He goes, no, man, we wanted you off stage like 15 minutes early. <laughs> oh, that hurts. That hurts. Uh, that's that's the comedy world, though. It's 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 a, it's a fickle game. I just, like, where I'm at right now, and I'm getting a lot of writing done now that I'm not gambling anymore. Uh, I'm feeling funnier now that I'm not gambling anymore. We can talk about that later. But uh, it's... Uh, I, I don't think my material right now, like, I don't think I have enough to do. Like, he wanted me to do, like, essentially get up there and talk sporadically for, like, four hours and keep, like, the party going. Oh, he wanted you to, like, MC the whole event. Like, the well, no, but he also wanted me to do, like, a whole, like, I think I'm still trying to figure out, like, what it was, but I'm pretty sure it was, like, hey, like, not only are you doing going to do, like, 30 minutes or an hour or whatever, which I definitely don't have an hour, but... He's like, you, uh, yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I don't think you should agree to an hour, but I think you could definitely do a half hour. No well, it's problem. not till New Year's. I'm pretty sure I have time to do it, but I don't know where I'll be by New Year's. That's the thing. It's like I don't want to commit to something. Say I get okay. a job in, in a random city, and it's like, oh well, I have to drive all the way back to West Virginia. All right, all right. This is what you tell him. This is what you tell him. Tell him you a contingency and, plan. You and me. Will come on New Year's. I, I'm already. I already bought my flight. I'm doing New Year's in West Virginia. Um, we do have I, an I airport. Was for, I was waiting for this podcast to announce it, but yeah, we we should do New Year's together at this show. <laughs> I'll, to, to tell him I'll come. Is it a black tie event? I'll come in a fucking tuxedo. We I'll should. Fucking, we should do. We should I'll do tuxes. The, we should do tuxes and come out there, and we'll just like have two mics. You and me. We'll just get up there and riff. That'd be great. Yeah, I'll, I'll be the, the the I'll dress to the fucking nines for West Virginia. Are there Southern Bells out in West Virginia, or is it not one of those places? Uh, no, I would. I, no offense to the wonderful women of of Wood County, but there's not a ton of b- Southern Bells. You live Bells. in Wood County. You live in Wood, Wood County. County. Yep. That's ridiculous. Everything you tell me is ridiculous. How is that ridiculous? Wood County? That's not wild. It's kind of wild. There's, there's got to be multiple Wood Counties. I know there's one in Ohio. Well, well, that's even more ridiculous. I live in Wash. I'm from Washington, West Virginia. Is that a ridiculous name, Washington? No, no, Washington's fine. See, but, Wash- but I think Washington had a bad case of wood uh, teeth. There it is, and that's how it all. That's uh, how it all comes together. <laughs> it's all connected. I, I can't believe my first wood joke of the day wasn't about. A bonus. So I'm, well, that's I'm a proud. that was an easy pick. That, that you didn't want to take the easy route. I, I I took the road less travel, as my boy Frost would say. That's true. I don't. Uh, yeah. So we'll see what's gonna happen with that gig. I I just still up in the air on if I want to do it or not. I know it's wild. I'm not in a position to be turning down work, but uh, I just don't know if I'm ready for it because yeah. I haven't gotten the I haven't gotten the reps in. You know, I haven't done your uh uh 
stories at the hub show enough to get my reps in. Get me involved. T- text the guy right now. Get me involved. I'll come to West Virginia. Meet ASAP. You don't want to come here on New Year's. You don't want to do that. Uh, <laughs> trust me. I, 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 would, I would definitely spend New Year's Eve in West Virginia telling jokes to these people at this black tie event. It's a nice it's a nice hotel. It, it you, you can look it up. It's Blennerhassett Hotel. It's really nice. So but, um, go ahead. So no, I'm just trying to think. I feel like I had stuff I had to t- talk to you about. I, uh, I, I, uh, but by the way, you're a baseball fan. Are you happy for Clayton Kershaw? Yeah, dude. That's actually like one of the reasons why I wanted the Dodgers to win. I was like, good for him. He deserves it. I haven't found anybody to have like this interesting conversation. Like I tried every baseball fan I, I've talked to. I've tried having this like emotional conversation about Clayton Kershaw. And no one wants to t- have it with me. Will, will you have it with me? I will have that with you. Can we have a conversation about COVID comedy afterwards? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I, cool. I just like I know you're a baseball fan. Uh, I I'm I'm a I'm a human fan. I I love this. I love people's stories. I love I, greatness. I love and greatness. Clayton, and Clayton Kershaw for me has been this guy who I actually have not followed because I don't really care about baseball outside of the Red Sox. Like I love the Red Sox, but outside the Red Sox, I don't care about baseball. But every fucking year, I see Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs, and everyone like Stephen A. Smith and all the ESPN people are just fucking like, he sucks in the playoffs, and I feel terrible. It makes me sad. So every yep. time it's around October, I get very sad for Clayton, and it, it made me really happy to see him actually not fuck up this time because he was fucking up hardcore for like a lot. Yeah, I mean he had he's he gets in the playoffs and he and he stinks it up. Except this time he finally finished the deal. He gets a ring. He deserves one. First ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, here's a stat for you, Joey. His his I think his career ERA is like two point three five something wild. But his career uh, fielding independent pitching, which is an analytic stat, FIP it takes out the defense. So it's really a true testament how good of a pitcher he is. His uh, fielding independent pitching is like. 2.75 which is which is still in, insane so he's but, uh what, what are those stats in the playoffs though oh i don't know about the playoffs probably not good it like it, it's so sad and mind-boggling to me that he could be so dominant in the in the regular season every year and then just not be in, in the playoffs it makes no sense to me who's like that in the nba you're a hoops guy who's oh, like that in the NBA? Uh, james horden oh but, okay but as bad as James Harden gets in the playoffs, it was never on the Clayton Kershaw level. Clayton, I think, is the worst choker, or was the worst choker of all time until this past season. I, I, I could stand by that, yeah. But that's why I'm so happy for him, and uh, that's all. I, I, I just need a second to, to just share my feelings about Clayton. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not even a huge Clayton Kershaw fan. I was yeah. just, he was just the guy I was rooting for for a long time. I mean, he. I appreciate greatness, and and when Christmas time comes around, I'm gonna mail you a a Clayton Kershaw uh, rookie card or something like that. Wait, wait. Uh, by, by the way, by the way. Uh, speaking of baseball, uh, I'm up, I'm up in Vermont, and uh, Vermont luckily has access to Nesson, which is uh, uh-huh. do you know what Nesson is? Yeah, the Northeastern Sports Network. Yeah, yes. I had to watch games on there. The Northeastern Sports Network, exactly. And so last night it was like 1 a.m. and I just put on Nesson. And I'm watching 2004 Boston Red Sox versus um, the Texas Rangers. And, oh, boy, was I having a good time. 
there's some names. I bet there's some names on that and during that game. Oh my god. Uh so on the Red Sox alone you got Manny Ramirez, you got Nomar Garcia Pera, um uh, Derek Lowe, Jason Veritek, just just Johnny Damon. Kevin Kevin Euclid, Big Poppy, Ke- uh, Johnny U- Damon. Yep, yep, yep. All of the all of the above. So you got those guys on the Red Sox, and then the Rangers. You got Afonso Soriano, Hank Blaylock, uh, Michael Young. It's, yeah, you know your stuff, Joey. Well, I was watching it last night. <laughs> uh, okay. No, but but honestly, the O four teams are stuck in my head forever because the first iconic. Oh, four was it the most iconic year in baseball history, in my opinion. Did you ever watch that four days in October about the 04 Red Sox, like that documentary that ESPN did? It is arguably my favorite 30 for 30, other than Rand University. I've seen everything about the Red Sox. I was there. I was there in 04. What do you mean you were there? Uh, I went to game two of the World Series. I fucking, I know everything about that team. Holy cow. Ever, I know everything about that team. That's my favorite team ever. Wasn't no, Orlando Cabrera? Wasn't he like the shortstop or something? Oh, my God. So he wasn't in yesterday's game because Nomar was still in that game. We traded Nomar at the trade deadline. So it was a, it was like honestly one of the weirdest fucking trades. I was thinking about it last night about how weird this trade was. I'll, I'm going to go on Google right now and see if I can get the exact. Yeah, I mean, at the deadline, a team like that is probably going for a playoff push and they sell a guy. He was probably in like the last year of his contract and they liked what they had beneath no, him. No, no, but the trade itself was so fucking wild because it made no sense. So the trade, Garcia was the – so he was the key player involved. It was a 14 deal, okay? Hmm. And it sent him and Matt Murden to the wild card leading Chicago Cubs. The Red Sox received Orlando Cabrera from the Expos and – Doug McCavage from the Twins, so it makes no like like I gotta see like a full breakdown of how this te- how this trade went down exactly. That's weird. Uh, That's gotta be a contract trade. Also, look up Nomar Garcia Pera and look up Wild Luigi from Mario Party and tell me if they look identical. <laughs> Nomar Garcia Pera is Wild Luigi. He is. He's a gangly man. He's got that weird facial hair. Yeah. <laughs> Was I typing for a while? <laughs> uh, for a minute. I'm sorry about that. I was just, I was, I was, I was, I was like looking up like no one can see his uh, Paris children and stuff. I was, I was, I was deep in the internet. I was on. I was all on, I typed in, dude. All I typed in was Garcia Parra traded to Cubs, Cabrera to Red Sox in four team trade. It's an ESPN article. No, no, but I know it's a four team trade, but I want to know about the intricacies. Like, I want to know what the what like what did the fucking Twins and Expos get? I don't know. Montreal shortstop, Cubs short, uh, Alex Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah, give me the full breakdown, dog. I'm trying to find it. That's what I'm saying. You were try- That's that's what I'm trying to tell you. It's it's not there. You, Where was this trade? Who got you, who in this trade? So so I know I know. I, and by the way, I I feel bad for your listeners. I know they don't care about this. No, my listeners like baseball. Do they care about a, a 2004 trade? But I I think, dude, I know of one guy in particular that likes our favorite memory is us coming home from school, turning on WGN, and some yellow TV screen Cubs game is on. The Cubs are playing a day game. Like, we just we just like weird... I, I, I'm a big fan of just outlandish references. Dude, like that I only- love... So, that's so funny you brought that up. You know how randomly they would play a day game on, like, a Tuesday? Like, and like and it's a, it's like a normal workday Tuesday. Like, there's no reason for a day game to happen. A little businessman special, yeah. There's nothing more I love doing. I have a friend, my boy Eric, back home uh, in Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, we, we, we love 
turning off like if we have a to-do list we'll turn the whole to-do list off and be like are we gonna drink Budweiser right now and watch this 2 p.m tuesday blue james blue jays <laughs> game and be like yeah i guess we are like i don't know what it is but nothing says playing hooky better than a fucking 2 p.m tuesday baseball game like that's why ferris bueller's day off they go to a day game that's why yep. and um hey arnold remember in hey arnold they play hooky in one episode and they go to a day game it's like Day baseball games is like it's like the American logo of hooky. It they call it. I mean, they call it the businessman special because you know you go out to lunch for business and then you're like, ah, there's ball game. We don't have to go back to work. We can hang out at the ball game. Yeah, uh, I didn't know about the business game special. I never worked in the industry the way you did. Sorry. Yeah, I think I think I I, I hope people talk to me about that one day. Hopefully, people are like, so what was it like? And I'd be like, well, I sat in an office with no windows and I pointed and clicked at a screen for eight hours a day and i watched four games and it was a lot of fun so so you were uh, the big nose version of jonah hill i was the skinny version of jonah hill except i didn't get to work with a team that was one of the things that bothered me there wasn't like a lot of motivation to go in every day because it's like i'm not really seeing my product like help a team win i, I like i winning i hate losing i hate losing more Wait, than i like you, winning you didn't work for a team I worked for an agency that was employed by teams. So my data got sent to like a lot of teams. Oh, okay. But no, I'm sure that was still a useful part. But also, I don't want to hear more about your, your depressing scouting life. I feel like every time you talk about it, the closer and closer you get to jumping off a building or something. Actually, I was thinking about this the other day, Joey. Summer 2019 might be one of the best summers of my life. Was that the summer you, you were in the cubicle by yourself? I was in the no cube. I was in the cube. So, uh, right, so what have we talked about so far? We, we, we got the Clayton Kershaw thing out. We got the. You're not going to ask me about uh, why it was the best summer of my life? Come on, dude. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I, I, you said best summer of my life, and I was like, I got I to get out. I got to change the subject immediately. Yeah, the best summer of my life. You're not like, oh, well, what happened? You're like, all right, so what else can we talk about, dude? I mean, well, uh, we could talk about. Uh, uh, I, 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 no, I offense, no offense, no offense. You're a pretty predictable guy. Like I know all your listeners can agree with me when I say we all know what you mean by the best summer of your life. You 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 lost your virginity. Uh, <laughs> uh, you tried uh, you, you tried deep dish pizza for the first time and, and hated it and hated it and um. <laughs> And some AAA player said, I'm going to hit a home run for you. And he hit a home run for you. And then you guys fell in love for like two days. It's funny because my roommate played AAA baseball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't have to make it as personal as you did by telling us that he was also your roommate. But yeah, we, we, <laughs> we, we, we know we understand the best summer of your life. It's self-explanatory. It was great. Oh my gosh. There was this one evening where I was at uh, Tres- Trexler Park in Allentown. And that's where John Lennon used to hang out when he wanted to get away from the paparazzi. People don't realize that. And the, it was one of those hot summer evenings where the sun stays up to like 930. And I'm walking through the park and the sun's going down. And I got like a, a deer and a fox are in a field playing. And, and like I'm walking down this hill and, and all these fireflies are flickering feel like i meant some sort of mid-2000s music video with natasha benningfield and it was it's just a beautiful memory i have i i I love myself a little bit of natasha benningfield oh that you know what i might have that be the intro music of this song (laughs) feel the rain on your your skin skin. (laughs) such a good song Uh, Uh, i i have a funny story about that song actually i had a college professor um 
this is a true story. Uh, I don't think I've ever told this on a podcast before. It was my first class ever at college. Mm-hmm. First day, first day of classes, the first class I've ever t- t- took. And um, it's a, it's a literature class about like I finding identity through literature. So you read a lot of like like self discovery books, like Holden Caulfield, that whole thing of a jug. You, you feel me? Yep. And my first day of class, he goes. We're going to be reading a lot of books about identity, and it's really important to find your identity young. So I want you guys to really experiment as much as possible while in college. And by experiment, I mean experiment every way possible. With if, your bodies. Because if you don't experiment now, you'll end up like me, being a 55-year-old overweight uh, gay uh, man who realizes he's gay and hates being with his wife and three kids. And at 55 years old, I left my wife and kids I moved to New York City. I lost 100 pounds, became a bodybuilder, and became one of the most eligible gay bachelors out in the East Village. You don't oh want my God. And then he goes, and you don't want that to happen to you because you want to be a bodybuilder and el- eligible gay bachelor without having a wife and three kids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with Natasha Biddingfield. Oh, oh, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. <laughs> and then he goes, I want you guys to write a whole paper about you like experimenting with yourself. But before you experiment with yourself and write this paper, I want you to go home, turn on Natasha Benningfield's, oh, what's that song called? Underwritten? Uh, Under- yeah, 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 yeah. Listen to Underwritten and just close your eyes and meditate to the lyrics because those lyrics is is all about self self discovery and he would make us and he would like start off every class by playing this song i'm not kidding oh oh what i would do to be in that man's class but here's the weird thing this class was in lancaster pennsylvania and so then i was the asshole freshman who was like hey how are you at this eligible gay bachelor if you're in lancaster pennsylvania and he goes a few years ago, I, I made a deal with my wife that I would li- get a job in Pennsylvania so I could be with my kids. But every weekend, I take the train to New York City. And from <laughs> Friday to Sunday, I am that bachelor. What a deal, bro. People's lives are crazy. Oh, my gosh. That's kind of a cool story. It's a real triumph story. Imagine taking the train to New York City every weekend and then coming back to me. Honestly, I could see myself being that guy one day. Uh, I could see myself, dude, I'm not kidding you when I totally see myself being a 56 year old man who's overweight and all he does, no, I'm dude, somewhere, I'm he was somewhere, not overweight. He was a bodybuilder. He was, well, I know me, 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 yeah, yeah. 56 years old. My only care in the world is what the Mets are doing at center field. And are I'm you, like, are I'm you a sc- Mets fan? I like the Mets. They're, they're like a team. I don't hate the, the thing is, is like when you work in pro baseball it's like you kind of don't really have teams you're just like who do you like and who do you hate Uh, i love the mets i'll be a mets fan i'm kind of a mets fan i went to a game at shea stadium uh like 2000 no wait we talked about this we talked about this how i was at that el duque game that legendary el duque game where he stopped chase utley's hit streak yeah yeah and i watched that like like that's one of the few games i know play by play by like i i i know it better than i know my, my friends uh, so I'm a, I I decided today that I'm a Knicks fan. I already like the Mets. I like you're, the Knicks now. You're a Knicks fan? I've decided Do today I decided today I like the Knicks. Dude, I'm so sorry. 
But you who just, else am I going to pick? The Hornets? You just signed up for just a life of really sad, sad stuff. I'm a glutton for punishment. Yeah, dude, I, I, I'm like, it's 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 not too late to change that decision. I'm a I don't want to be. I don't want to be a Washington Wizards fan. Raptors, I hate Raptors, baby. No, the Canada. How are you going to be an American and cheer for the Canadian team? One word and one word only. Drake. Dinosaur. Okay, yeah, those dino jerseys are pretty tough. Dude, they're fucking dinosaurs. How can you root for a fucking Nick? Do you know what Nick is? You know what a Nick or Bocker? Do you know what a Nick or fucking Bocker is? No. It's a guy who like lives in New York. That's all it is. It's a, that's all. It, you can't root for that. Well, you so can. you got a guy. You got a guy who's like screaming on the train about the the Mets. He's like, oh god, what are we doing? It's center field. You know. You got you you gotta root for the Raptors. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Nick Nurse is the greatest coach in the league. We got Kyle Lowry. Coach. He has a chubby little stomach that's very cute. Uh, we have Pascal Siakam. He he's this guy with the craziest spin move. Uh, just be a Raptors fan. Like it. Be a Raptors fan. Do it. It's cool. It's great. Uh, I I enjoy it a lot. Go Knicks. What? Go Knicks. Go. I mean, I like the Knicks too. It's just you're gonna you're gonna be really depressed and sad. I want to be depressed. I I welcome the sad feeling sometimes. It's good to be sad sometimes, but I definitely can't be a Nets fan after all this stuff that they got coming their way. You can't be a Nets fan. I can't. No, but the same reason why I'm a Raptors fan is why I'm not a Nets fan is because you can't root for a net, like a net, a like, basketball net. Yeah, you can't root for it. You have to, you have to I actually, root. I actually went to. I was actually, I didn't hate the Nets when I was a kid. I really liked Vince Carter and Jason Kidd. I went to the NBA uh, store. You know where Vince Carter is from, though? Originally, the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, I said that. <laughs> uh, I went to the NBA store. I think it was in Midtown, and I had, I yeah, got myself Midtown. like a full Nets uniform, like shirt, shorts. Like I was, I was ready Kid, to play. J- Jason Kidd, who is the jersey? Vince Carter. It is Vince Carter? Yeah. That's dope. Vince Carter is one of the dopest players ever. For real, yeah. Let's talk about. Um, wait, hold on. I got one last thing. So you were in Lancaster. That was Franklin and Marshall, right? Yes, sir. Uh, I I went through Lancaster a handful of times. There's a minor league team there. Yeah, but, the Barnstormers, dog. Um, why did I think they were called like the Jets or something like the, that? The Barnstormers. Barnstormers. Um, they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Lancaster, that's a lot of Pennsylvania Dutch Amish people. Do you ever have any weird run-ins with those people? I wish, but no, I, I can't say I did. I All went right. to there for long. I was there for three semesters. All right, fair enough, the, fair the, enough. The, the crazy shit that happened to me was the shit that went down at, at Waffle Cabin late at night. Waffle House late at night. No? You had a you had some antics at Waffle House? Uh, yeah, but I was such a blackout drunk at Lancaster that I don't really remember them. <laughs> All right. that's uh, That seems to be a common occurrence of people being blackout drunk at a Waffle House. But uh, um, uh, let's talk about. I want to talk about this real quick. Um, so August, your job ended. You had three months of freedom, and you doing the the comedy gigs and stuff like that. We said we were going to talk about like COVID comedy, and you said you wanted to have a discussion about comedy in general. Yesterday in our pre-show meeting that we always have, we have a, a cork board with colored note cards, and we put them on there. What subject we're going to get to, and uh, we well, wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I only have like fifteen minutes left to talk, but uh, but uh, we we can dedicate the last fifteen minutes of this for sure. That's perfect. Okay, so where do we even begin? Where do you want to begin? Let me begin. Fuck you. Let me begin. Go ahead. Go ahead. You take the lead. I'll uh, you you dance. You lead. I'll follow. So yeah, yeah. Put your hands on my waist. I'll show you what to do. Um, All right. So um, 
uh, I'll start off by plugging my show. Uh, I, I, me and comedians Dan Lamort and Austin Locke, uh, the three of us have had a comedy show called The Manifest Show at the uh, under Saint, uh, no, not under Saint Marks. I'm sorry. It was at um, the Soho Playhouse, underneath the Soho Playhouse, in this bar called the Haran Club. We had it there for like two years. Then we went to Stan Comedy Club, and then we got shut down because of COVID. And two weeks ago, we we came back on the tiny cupboard rooftop. We had an amazing show, and we're doing it again this Sunday, this twenty second. I'm real excited. If you're in New York City, come out. You're gonna be there. The manifest show, yeah. I thought you're gonna be in Vermont. I'm I'm gonna come back Sunday for that show. Oh, okay. I'm coming back just for that one show. But yeah, um, so uh, the reason why we decided to bring the manifest show back in the first place was because. There's been a lot of outdoor comedy. Like when COVID first started, we were like, we're not going to do this show at all. But then we were like, you know what? If, if people, if the more outdoor comedy works, we we may do it. And we did do it. And I, I basically have been doing like not a lot of comedy compared to my other friends. I have friends who have been doing like seven shows a day, like, like seven to eight shows a week. I've been doing like probably one open mic and like two shows a week. So again, yeah. like three times a week. And that alone has been crazy. Because it made me never, it, it made me realize how perfect comedy used to be. Like before COVID, you would shit on comedy because everyone shit on everything you do. Mm-hmm. But now that I've been doing comedy outside on rooftops and gardens and parks and Zoom, it made me realize that comedy clubs are designed for comedy. Like I know that's dumb to say out loud, but it made me really appreciate what a comedy club was. Yeah, and that it's this basement that's dark as fuck, ceilings very low, lot of alcohol, getting everyone shit faced to laugh. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And so you, so basically, when you walk on the stage, you're in this dark, dark room with all the lights in the room shining on you, performing to an audience that's sitting close together, drunk as hell, ready to laugh at anything they hear. And it made me be like, how the fuck did I ever bomb in a comedy club before COVID? <laughs> like, how was I bombing? Like, I was going to those comedy clubs and I it's not that I bombed every time, but the fact that I bombed <laughs> at all seems impossible now because now I've been doing comedy outside. Like, I did a comedy show Friday night, freezing cold. I had a, I had a sweatshirt, I had a long sleeve t-shirt on with a sweatshirt long johns and a big heavy jacket and i was still shivering holding a mic shivering my ass off telling comedy and i didn't bomb the fact that i didn't bomb in that situation how the fuck was i ever bombing before i I don't understand and and, um i think it's made me such a stronger comedian because it's Mm. like it's like running with weights on the fact that you're not in the comedy club situation and the fact that I'm now talking to comedian, uh, I mean, doing my spots to people with blankets on, shivering, or if they're in their computer, like watching me on Twitch, or if they're like, or if it's sometimes there was even one show where it was raining and everyone just had umbrellas up. They had umbrellas to listen to comedy. That's commitment to the comedy game. Wow, big fans. Yeah, like. The th- like if you can make people laugh while they're miserable outside in the cold, I feel like when comedy gets back to normal, not just me, but every comedian who's experienced this situation is yeah. going to come back so much stronger. 
Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, it's definitely going to make like, like you said, I love that analogy of running with weights on. I think that's perfect. I, th- I think that's, it's like you're training for a marathon that takes place. You're training in Denver for a marathon that takes place in New Orleans. Yeah. If you want to get an altitude. Altitude. Why well, is, is the altitude in New Orleans um, suck? That's like below sea level. They're below. So, I, so would I be faster in New Orleans, you think? Uh, yeah, you'd probably, you'd probably run better in New Orleans than you would in Denver. That's for certain. I did not know that. That's crazy. I've all, I, that's an analogy I used to use when I used to think that doing mics in like Pittsburgh and those types of places, I was like, you know what? I'm just training for, for a different spot. And like, now I realize it's like, nope, that's just a bad place to be. I, I think Pittsburgh has good comedy. Pittsburgh does. But whenever I was in like West Virginia and stuff like that. Oh yeah. 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 For, no, but the, 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 I think what I'm saying is true because in comedy, the situation, like, di- like, there's hard situations to do comedy in, and, and the hardest situation is the better you'll get when you go to one of the easy spots. Yeah, for certain, for certain, that makes a lot of sense. And, and it's been forcing me to like try new things. Like, I was not much of an act out comedian before COVID, and I'm still not like by any stretch an act out comic. But now I really have been like being bigger than my body. I've been doing louder voices, doing yeah. more hand gestures, just doing anything possible to you say, you're saying you're saying you're saying performing outside has turned you into more of a performer. I think I was always a performer, but it, it, it definitely has made my performance a lot stronger. Yeah. And and I and, and it's good to care a lot about writing and I've always cared, cared a lot about writing, but now I'm starting to see that you can get away, not get away with stuff. Is that something's? How do I want to say this? You can, you can, if for to make up for poor writing ability, you can make up for it by by kind of being more performative with your stuff. Yeah, well, I don't want to knock writing. It's just that I I I I, be, I was able to just get more laughs than than I was getting before by doing right. these new performative tricks, and these are tricks that I would never learn if I wasn't performing outside. Right. Right. I mean, you're, you're competing. You, you, when you're outside, you're competing with birds. You're competing with buses. You're Homeless people. Yep. Yeah, you're competing with all of these things. You gotta, you gotta make yourself known. It makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just a crazy experience that, so whenever, so comedians like love being bitter. As I said before, like comedians, I told you like shit on comedy clubs a lot. Yeah. And, and because they're bitter people, they love shitting on like the shows we're doing now. They're like, Oh, it's outdoor. It's cold. Blah, blah, blah. Like, and I'm like, no, it's beautiful that this is happening. Like, we're gifted this opportunity to not just test our abilities to, to make people laugh. Yeah. But we're also all opening ourselves up to new mediums and new styles of comedy. I'm sure, uh, like, without realizing it, there's new genres and subgenres and styles of comedy being birthed right now. Yeah. Because with new situations come new creativity and so maybe this whole stylistic stuff happening that's getting formed right now. I've never, I've never understood the point of hating on like the, the not, not not necessarily the venue, but hating on on the, even the opportunity to perf- to perform. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like before I decided to try comedy. Nobody would ever ask me to talk to strangers. So the fact that people could let me 
asked me to talk to strangers at all makes me happy. And, and like, I mean, like, like a famous thing, I'll get asked to do a show. I'll ask one of my friends, Hey, I got fucked to do the show. What do you think? And they go, Oh, that show fucking sucks. And I'm like, but if they book you, would you do it? They're like, Oh yeah. In a heartbeat. It's like, so I was shitting on it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, and it's an opportunity to get better. I would never turn my nose up at an opportunity to get like better. You know what I mean? It's not just it's it's not just an opportunity to get better. It's an opportunity to to get heard, to get seen, for to meet new people. And, and like I, I, it's funny. Like my some of my most loyal like people who follow my career on Instagram or come to my shows in person actually have been the the audience members from shows. In the shitty situations that like, like there's so many times where like I performed to like a four person audience in a room with a, with a broken microphone, where those people end up following on Instagram coming to like all my shows for the rest of my life. Then the times I've done a show at like you know like a normal comedy club that's normal. Right, right. It makes total sense, man. Yeah. Because there's something memorable about those god awful shitty rooms that I think very memorable for both the audience and the comedians. Embracing the suck, as people in the uh, military would say, you have to, you have to find. Uh, yeah, I, so I hate to quote a guy like McConaughey here because people are gonna be like, "Oh, you, obviously you like him," but you know he always he's trying to find joy instead of happiness. He's on a he's on a pursuit of joy, not happiness, and so he's taking pride in the actual process, like as as opposed to seeing the writing and the going to the crappy venues as a means to an end. He's taking joy in that opportunity to even like perform. He loves to even, you know, read the script or loves to even like shoot the stuff before it even gets on screen. Yeah. Uh, all I got from that, it sounds like you want to go down to McConaughey and you won't be the first or last guy to admit that today. Probably. I love McConaughey, bro. We are Marshall. That movie changed my oh, life. Oh my God. That's a sports movie. That's, that's amazing. That's a good one. I love that movie. Do do, do you ever watch that? And you're like, Oh, where's West Virginia at? Uh, <laughs> I wish he was an important part of that movie. Yeah, I mean, dude, they, it was just the 50th anniversary of that plane going down. Marshall won this uh, last weekend. They killed the the whoever it was, and I bet on them. And I want to talk about betting for a second because I don't, uh, I don't want to hear about your John Mayer loving Bucky. And no, it's and, not about him. And, it's not about him. And, and I I have stopped lo- gambling, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. I have stopped gambling. I'm like two and a half days no gambling. Feels good. I made a commitment to myself. Feels good. Well, thank God because because uh, we all thought you were, were going off the deep end before. At least I no, thought that. <laughs> it's not that I was. It's not that. It's not that I was like necessarily, uh, you know, sort of like this uh, metaphorical high speed crash where I'm just like gonna like you know end up getting my legs broken from gambling too much. It, it, it's more of just like it was taking up so much of my creative energy and so much of my time and effort to like analyze numbers, run through computer simulations, uh, do do statistical analysis on what type of outcome could be, and it made me realize no one ever really wins. Exactly. Uh, it, 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 so, so so I I had to get out of the game. Well, I'm glad you came to that realization. Don't gamble. Gambling's stupid. Uh, just 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 go to com- watch live comedy shows. Don't gamble. That's my message. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want. No, I don't want to just watch them. I want to be in them. I no, got to no, be no, in no, these. No, 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 no. I mean, that was my message to the listeners. That don't don't gamble. Support comedy. Oh yeah, yeah. Support support comedy. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before you get out of here? We got like uh, five minutes left. No, I, I actually got to go soon. Um, I we we covered everything I possibly want to cover. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for having me, man. I, I always love being, doing your show. 
of course, Joey's. I'd consider him one of my closest, if not the closest, comedy friend I have. <laughs> he's uh, he's I, I, people don't realize that. It's like I don't talk to a lot of people. Like, uh, you know, I, I kind of like being my own guy. But uh, I appreciate uh, you saying that. You're, you're the man. Well, I'll come back whenever you you'll, you have me. Well, I also want to take this time, Joey, to just thank you to for for always being open to be on the show and always open to talk to me about random stuff. So like to like actually get to talk about like the science of the game of writing jokes it's with somebody who actually like does it all the time it's it's awesome man i can't thank you enough man for for being a, a nice guy to me dude i can't thank you enough for always letting me rant to you about uh how bad loving basketball is and how <laughs> much uh you uh miss uh talking to women on aim yes i miss it so much uh, and if you guys want to, if you, if you, if anyone wants to chat with me, chat with me at the Joey Rinaldi on Instagram. I'm available. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you LOL and BRB, like all the I, AIM, uh, <laughs> uh, rhetoric, grammar, uh, whatever, uh, the, uh, the lexicon of AIM, lexicon, yeah. dialogue, the, the whole, you, you know what I mean. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Hey, thank you guys for listening to this episode. It was a great episode. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Franco's world underscore. In the meantime, keep taking care of yourselves and each other. And I will see you when I see you. See ya.